Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Nina Mazzelli, Carol Bigelow, Barris Farman and Alex Osama-Patsonis to discuss what ingredients make up a great team culture. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here and Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we get into the topic in a bit more detail, we'll work our way around the room with some introductions. So Nina, would you like to kick us off? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm Nina, and I'm a talent acquisition specialist at Cognity. I've been working with talent acquisition for the past six years, and the common theme is that I've been working in modern tech companies. So I started my career recruiting Elixir and Erlang developers, and then I moved into the game development industry, recruiting cross-disciplinary roles, everything from concept artists to gameplay programmers and now I work at Cognity, which is an which is an ed tech company. So at Cognity, we provide complete teaching and learning tools for schools. And our goal is to help teachers teach and students learn. And something personal about myself is that I have this secret dream that I one day want to become a middle school teacher. So working for Cognity that is a vision-driven company with a product that can make a significant positive impact on education is very exciting and motivating. Lovely, thank you. Um, Carol, would you like to go next? Sure, hello everybody. So I'm originally from Switzerland, that's where I grew up and um, worked my, my first years of my career. I studied computer science and economics my heart is with both still today. I worked for the Swiss Railway, so that's a big company in Switzerland. And um, I don't know if you know, but the, the Swiss trains are um, known for it to being the most punctual in the world. Um, so it was, was super nice to work there a few years. I had different roles. My last role there was a team manager, but then I chose to change to the agile role. So I become a release train engineer. So it's from Scaled Agile framework and I went to how it has to be in Switzerland once in your career you have to work for a bank so that's what I did I checked that box and uh, recently I relocated to Sweden and now I work for Volvo Cars again as a team manager why I chose to go back into the line management is actually because um, what the topic is today the team culture I think uh, still today the team manager is the role that can influence the most mindset and culture and I still think we have a way to go, to go away from this demand and control. I think it's a, a generational maybe thing, but also not only. 
So I really want to eliminate all this control and and command attitude. And I think that's how I can do it best as a team manager role right now. Lovely. It sounds amazing. Thank you, Carol. And then Baris, introduce yourself next. Sure. So Baris Farman, uh, VP and CISO at True Color. I've been I have a master's and a background from in business and I, I thought I would work with, you know, business and possibly risk management my entire life. I didn't imagine being a information security practitioner, but um, early in the career, we oh, jumped on a small uh, company, uh, which was a risk management company. And we start looking at, you know, what's the biggest risk for organizations 10, 11 years ago. It was, you know, digital security, IT security risks. So naturally that's what my risk management skills got put into work and uh, worked as a risk manager for for quite some time before PwC actually bought the company that I worked for. So vast majority of my career background is in management consulting and information security. Before, like Carol, I also dabbled a little bit in banking, <laughs> which was fun. Uh, but also when I realized that I wanted to work in a in a in a tech environment where, you know, we're so driven out of data and, you know, latest technology developments and always looking to disrupt and do, you know, do fun things. Um so that's when I joined True Color and I've been here since May last year. So looking at the year soon, which has gone very, very fast. You know, True Color is one one of the biggest uh, color ID and spam blockers out there in the in the in the world our biggest market is in india with 350 daily users which is amazing and uh, we are just you know i feel like the company's been around for 10 years but we're still in the first you know first step on a on a on a big journey where we would help eliminate fraud and scam and spam throughout you know our digital presence so really keen and happy to be here and today to speak with you guys Lovely, nice. And then last but not least, Alex. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Alex. Uh, I work as uh, head of IT and CISO at Voy. And Voy is a micromobility company. We have mobility as a service with either uh, bikes or scooters in around 11 countries in Europe. So a little bit about myself, uh, I'm born and raised in Sweden by two Greek parents, uh, married with an Irish person and have trilingual kids and a lot of cultures uh, interact here uh, between the Swedish, the Greek and the Irish. And I think it's amazing to see the different, like, you know, uh, varieties and versions of the same thing, but to take it from other perspectives and how that could like, you know, make uh, or break, uh, uh, a team or like, you know, our family culture or whatever it could be. So that I think is like super interesting for me. So that's why I really love to talk about this topic today. A bit about myself and about background. I always say that uh, only people without a talent need to study a little bit uh, as a joke because I never went to any school. I got no masters of any sorts. So I'm challenging people there. Uh, so I grew up building all my friends' computers, uh, you know, everything from motherboards to like, you know, putting in the graphic cards and whatnot that's been there. Wrecked a good few computers in my ages, uh, but then thought, nah, maybe I could do this as a living and it actually worked. So I started off as, you know, from the ground up, like building computers and fixing stuff as a, a computer technician <laughs> and worked for a, a union for the majority of my career, about 12 years. 
this particular union is uh, very much into leaders and leadership and about how the manager can be helping other people start. That's where my interest went from, you know, having the managerial role and trying out it out as well. I thought I might take the lead and uh, become a manager myself instead of just like, you know, saying what we should do, but actually implementing that. So I thought that was very, very interesting. And I've been working as a manager now for about five, six years and in different uh, branches. So pharmaceutical, construction, micromobility now. And <clears throat> what I see is uh, it's the same problems, but different acronyms. So we all try to solve the same thing, but with three different letter uh, acronyms that pair different in different industries. But that's a bit about myself. Thank you, Alex. Um, just before we go a bit further, Barris, we're getting a bit of feedback from your mic. So can you either pull it away from your face a little bit or just put yourself on mute during that time? That might be a bit better. Thank you. Um, nice. So now that we've got a context to each of you, we'll move on to the topic in focus. So you've all prepared a question on what ingredients make up a great team culture. And as usual, we'll work our way around the room where you can ask each of your questions and give your thoughts. So the first up is you, Carol, and you've asked, how can you define and measure culture and proactively work towards this as well? So tell us a bit more about your question or you're on mute. <laughs> so sorry. Thanks. <laughs> so it, unlike um, Alex, I, I very much believe in the academic world, not because I don't believe you need academic uh, background, not at all, but it gives me so rational um, answers sometimes. And I'm a very rational person. I just like, yeah, it's been studied. It's, it's a economic you know, research proven. I, I love to work with stuff like that. So my answer goes in, into that. And um, I think it all starts with defining elements of what you think is a good culture. And, and with you, I mean, I mean, the team on a team level, you can do it on, a, on, a, on each level, of course, on a corporate um, portfolio level, on a, on a department level. But I'm talking about the team. So defining your core elements that you actually think is important and define the culture you want. For me, it's alignment and engagement. These are my two main elements. And then um, I think it's the academic approach again, measure that iteratively. So if you have your elements, you can actually go ahead and measure. That can be simple surveys. That can be other indications where you can measure. And then um, what I like to do is, is to define action points to each elements you want to measure. So, and do that in, in, in as, as, as much as possible, maybe three months. So that's, I'm still experimenting. I'm, I cannot say it's, it's that way to go, but that's so far my answer. And I would very much like to see or hear how you see it. And I, I, again, I do not believe in the academic work. I think it's great. Academia is good, but I, I touching upon like the first thing that you said, like, you know, how do you define the culture? Like, you know, I think like that's kind of maybe the thing that trickles down to the task at the end of it, like, you know. So your definition and your take of what a good culture is, is what you have in your baggage, right? And that's what you want to like implement and define. But uh, for me, I like, you know, I like to challenge that as well. Like, you know, have, because I grew up in the Western world, in Europe, I have one set of culture and that might not be the same as somebody else from another culture. And it can vary and be very much different. So which one is then the correct culture? And is there such a thing as a correct culture? So that, that's like, you know, because we set the culture up at the, like, this is what we want to have, 
and then we built it downwards. But is that the, the right way to approach it? Like, and how do you know if that is the right way? You know, uh, very good point. I answered your question with a question. I don't know if you can answer that, but no, no, I want to like, you know, engage the conversation a little bit here. Yeah, I think, first of all, this is a really interesting question and a tricky one as well. Um, so when it comes to defining the culture, I think we need to talk to the people, right? Like we need to engage with our employees um, and try to avoid making assumptions ourselves. And with ourselves, I mean, for instance, HR, since I work with HR, um, we should try to make assumptions ourselves on what the culture is based on purely our own experience, um, because it, it can be quite subjective, right? Um, depending on the baggage or our own experience that we have, right? So I think it's worth having that in mind that we should try to include others' perspectives and really try to understand, okay, what, what is our culture? Um, and do we have the same um, experience of it or is it different? And when it comes to the measuring part of the culture, I think this is where it gets more tricky um, because there are some intangible elements here. Um, but first of all, we should ask ourselves, what is it that we're trying to measure? So are we trying to measure to see if we have a positive company culture, well, then we can look at some certain metrics. For instance, we can look at the productivity, the engagement levels, but also we can take a look at our turnover rates, just as an example. Um, but for me personally, I think that the most interesting part of this question here is about, you know, how or what can you do to actively work towards shaping the company culture? Um, because that's a different thing, right? Um, and to keep it short, I think it's about making culture work a priority. So it shouldn't only be within HR or with talent acquisition's interest to raise this question about the company culture, but it should actually ideally come um, top down, meaning that the incentive to work with the co company culture should come from the leadership team. And um, I mean, companies work differently with their cultures. Some might work actively on it, whilst others might not even consider it. But I mean, regardless of that, it's it's there, right? So it's about um, engaging the leaders, I would say, and making them understand their part in shaping the culture. Thank you. Very good inputs. Yeah, and can I just uh, also add a question into your question as an answer? What? How do we? How do we face when, if if the top-down approach is trying to instill a certain type of culture, while maybe organically in survey feedbacks or in you know in talks, we see a desire for another type of culture, or we see that okay we 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 really don't align here. How how would we approach that? Yeah, that's a great question, Baris. And I would say what I mean when. When I say that the culture comes top down, I think it's more about, you know, say that the CEO has the company vision and the CEO is part of setting the company's core values. So those core values should be um, discussed and uh, we should talk about that with the leadership group so that they in turn can talk with their teams about this is our core values and these are the behaviors that we would like to see. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that the leadership or yeah, the management team are the ones setting the culture. That's everyone setting the culture. Everyone is part of shaping the culture. Um, but it's more about being the, yeah, being on the forefront and being the role models perhaps and, and say like, this is, this is our values and these are the, the behaviors that we would like to, uh, foster in our company. I, I think you mentioned as well, Carol, that you were talking about team culture now uh, as well, right? Uh, if I'm remembering. And that's, I think, basic, like as soon as you come to a certain size as a company, you will have different cultures as well, I think. So like if you pass, what is it, 50, 70, whatever people, then you have, you know, separate islands of culture. So, and I think that's an important part. So if you talk about your team culture, there's a great saying that I don't, I think uh, his name was Gustav Molnar that said it, that said that the lowest point of the leader becomes culture. So actually as you, like not the best that you perform, but the lowest that you perform, that's the culture that you will instill in the team as well. And I think that's kind of comes back to what Nina says as well. It's up to the leaders to really be as an example and every day bring it like, you know, uh, like, you know, as to say, even if the CEO might have instilled a certain point of values, but if he tells that joke that he shouldn't have told them, that becomes the culture, then other leaders will follow and do the same thing, right? So he really needs to be like, you know, uh, upon us all to, to carry it and show by example, lead by example, I think there. And I, I think like what, what Barris, you were touching upon that as well. Organically, I think it's great, like them, but within a framework, right? So letting it grow by itself, instead of saying we should do this, right? But as soon as somebody, you know, steps out of the framework, which might be like company values, then you can like pull it back together and say, maybe how, like this. I don't know if that's a good way forward. I completely agree. I mean, the, the parameters, you know, or the, the outer parts of the boxes, if we, if we may uh, call it that, could be the values. And, you know, anything that could you know, align to those are within, you know, within fair play and organically we can move freely within that. But as soon as, you know, dip outside of that and become, you know, outside tolerance, that's when we need to act. And I, I think it's a little bit interesting as well, because I think if you have, like more than one country in your baggage, like I think we all do here, then you automatically have two cultures, like, you know, that you bring in together. So you might not automatically do something that you feel like, well, everybody does this because we are in Sweden or wherever, right? So you kind of maybe tread more carefully when you try to do that, or you have other thoughts that you kind of challenge with, with within in the culture, like, you know, paradigm that they think like, oh, it should be like this. So I think that could be, I, I don't see that you need to have that, but I mean, that could be like an added bonus when you're thinking on this, maybe. Definitely. And again, as previously mentioned, I think it's really about making culture work a priority. So we have some companies who continuously work with their cultures while others don't um, really acknowledge it. Um, so whether we think it's going to grow organically or not, it's it's still there. I. I tend to see the company culture as the company's personality in some way. Like, of course it's, it can change during with time, but it's, it's there. So you have to, um, figure it out and really try to understand it. Nice. We'll move on to your question next, Alex, which kind of plays into what you've just discussed. And you asked, how do you measure the value of having a great culture? So tell us a bit more about your question. Yeah, uh, I mean, we have had uh, a couple of discussions 
within different parts of it. Like, you know, if for instance, one was diversity, inclusion, equity, how do you measure the value of that? How can you see that you actively are working at that you're actually performing better now than you did before when you work with this? So I thought that would take that kind of like and bring it into like the culture, like, you know, so you, you, we have this set of cultures that we have, we have the like, you know, framework that we're, we are within, but how can we see that we have now made changes to it? We have better it. And because of it, like, you know, people are more engaged, people are, you know, more productive, uh, and might be anything from like, people are not being as uh, sick or whatever it could be like, you know, because of the culture has changed, but how do you set like, like, this is our baseline. And now that we have worked with it, like you said, Nina, it's a priority, right? We're working with it, right? How do we now feel that, okay, we have improved. What is the metric that you should look like, you know, is that the productivity? Is it the engagement with people? Is it sick leave? Is it what? Like, so like, you know, for me, it's more like, you know, how can you like put data into it? Like, you know, and maybe like from Carol's uh, point of view, like the, 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 the analytics of it, like, you know, how can you actually measure this, like, you know, in, in a data driven way? Um, I will answer academically again, but it's just, it's my rational, logical brain talking here. That's right. But it's a very, very interesting question. <clears throat> And, and it's again, making something intangible, tangible. And that's, that's always drives me. I think it's, it's something we should do more because otherwise it's just something we feel and we feel different. So getting away from that feeling and making it facts and tangible is so important in culture, in my experience. So I think, um, what, how would I would answer your question is what, what is it, what, what makes it worth to measure? And stuff that I would like to measure is resilience, trust. I mean, resilience from a team perspective. How resilient is my team? If I replace one, the fluctuation, how, how stable are they? How fast are they in onboarding? That's resilience. How can they deal with, with um, changes in, in features in, in, in um, you know, different kind of directions? How fast can they change? How comfortable are they with that change? That's resilience. Another part is, is trust. Do I, and, and you can make that tangible. You can make everything tangible with, um, um, surveys, right. But still to just what, what is, what, what is worth being measured? That That's very good. Thank you. That's really good tips. Like uh, to, as I said, make it tangible, like you now, very good. I can continue. So, uh, I think there are some metrics that are well, more tangible and easier to measure than others when it comes to company culture that's trending down. So for instance, two examples of metrics that you can take a look at is for instance, increase in employee turnover. So if we understand our turnover rate, and if we see that it's uh, increasing, uh, that's definitely uh, a red flag. And that's something worth discovering. Why are people leaving? Is it because of the culture or because of other factors that we don't know about? So that can be one indication. Um, that your employees are unhappy with the way things are being run. Another metric I would say is to see um, if you have a decrease or increase in productivity. So if you have a decrease in productivity, that can also be a sign that your employees are disengaged, they're unmotivated, um, and it can also be no noticeable through fewer completed projects or for instance, that you have a decrease in sales or that you're doing overtime hours. So something is, isn't working. Um, 
Some other things that I thought about for this question is that you can also see if you have less collaboration amongst teams. Um, and with that said, also uh, less communication. So we might see these patterns in situations where there is misunderstandings and even conflicts maybe, which can negatively impact the culture. Um, and also another thing that I thought of is that we can look into if the teams are working towards the same end goals or not. So are we working with each other or against each other? Because if we aren't working towards the same sort of company vision and mission, and we're pulling in different directions, that can also be a sign that, yeah, something's going on and we need to address these things. Thank you. From, if I if I put on the security hat and talk about you know great company uh, culture, I sometimes equate that to you know what's the security aware organization or company that you know think of security, and so with that hat on, how do I measure our security awareness and you know the company culture when it comes to that? Is by attacking them, of course, you know, <laughs> throw 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 it attacks at them and see how they act as far. It's just, it's just one of the factors, of course, it, it happens, you know, it send us these phishing emails or put USB sticks in the, in the parking lot and do those kinds of tests. They're very, very data driven. It's very apparent when someone has done something or, you know, not, but I think the, what really gives a good sign if you have a good company culture or even great company culture is that whenever someone has done something that's obvious and apparently wrong or outside policy or you know uh, outside the risk tolerance but a very open and willing to admit that that's when you can see that you have a certain you know uh, 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 you have promoting mistakes and you know you're willing to learn from it and everyone feel like there's no shame in doing wrong and you know with as a CISO, that's, you know, where I re I'm, I become really happy when someone says, okay, I, this was on me. I, it happened late last night. It's like, great. Thank you so much. Here's a chocolate because you're a great person that comes with it and do not ignore it because it may, might be, you know, shameful or whatever. But that's to me, it's a way for me to see, you know, if a company has a good culture. Thank you, Paris. That's, that's good, good feedback as well. I, I appreciate it all. I think it's good. Like, and I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard for me to kind of like sometimes differentiate, like, is this a culture thing or is it just like, you know, uh, something else? Is it unclear requirements or is it like, you know, uh, people that were sick, that's why we're kind of like down on productivity. But, but I think I, I, I really like the, the resilience part that you were saying, Carol, about like, and you know, how resilient is the team when change is happening? And, and being from, uh, uh, going from a startup to a scale up, uh, a company that's only been for four years and having a lot of fast turns, like go, I, we were about 300 where we started now, we're a thousand. So, I mean, the, 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 the turns that we have to take to get there are quite sharp and fast. And I think that is the, something that I like uh, to take as well with me to see like, yeah, that, that works good. Like, you know, so that, that is part of like, you know, yeah, we were all in it together, like, you know. And like you said, Barris, as well, like feeling safe and feeling like, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. That's, I think, like uh, Google did a survey about this not long ago. So like, you know, this is something that is the number one, like the you know, performance, uh, like a you know, metric. So I think that's just a super important as well. Like, you know, 
having the ability to to be vulnerable or to say like, hey, I did that mistake. I think that's super good as well. Definitely. And I think it's just to add to that, I think it's important that you, in order to be able to feel that you can make mistakes and, you know, talk about them and admit them, it's about creating a space that's psychologically safe where you feel that, okay, no one is going to hold this against me if I admit to my mistake, right? And that also connected to what sort of culture that you have. Do you have an open culture where everyone is free to express their opinions and thoughts or, or not? Um, another thing I would like to add, um, cause, uh, Alex, you asked about like, what, what do you do when you notice trends that's going down? Um, I think it's really about just talk to the people, talk to your employees, um, and address the concerns that you have and make them feel seen and heard. Um, because again, like we all contribute to the culture and, um, we're all part of shaping it. So, uh, instead of making our own assumptions of what the culture is or why it's trending down, it's better to actually address it directly uh, with your peers to understand them and their, yeah. And their insight better. Just one thing to psychologically safety, if I may add, that's it's something it's it's really getting on my nerves not the psychological safety it's everybody saying like as long as you can speak your mind we have psychological safety if i feel safe speaking my mind it's actually half of it yes i need a culture where i can speak my mind but i even more need a culture that i'm listened to action follows when i speak my mind if i speak my mind and nobody holds it against me but nothing happens i will not speak my mind again so i don't feel safe i think we we should turn you know it's good. It's good that we're aware of psychologically safety, but it's not only about speaking my mind. I think that's very true. And also, if, you know, that, and that's when you need to be careful with service as well. Because if you're willing to, you know, dish out service and gather input, but not willing to act upon it, I think you're, that's where you yourself set a negative trend by, you know, trying to open up and say, okay, listen, you guys had a way, a possibility to weigh in on this a decision. Should we do X or x or z and people say x but you're you dead settled said when you sent that out that's a big red flag according to me and i think also if you say like the organization is flat you can come talk to me anytime and someone does that actually and you don't act upon it i think you're completely right that's a big red flag <laughs> yeah that's great i can say that like you know these there's lots of these hr tools that send out this pulse and feedback and service and they're fantastic for, for uh, me as a manager to get that input as long as we can openly discuss this and make action plans, like you say, Carol. Not just, oh, okay, great, you're happy, and then leave it. We actually we actually dug down uh, last summer, I think, why we are so happy, because that's the thing as well, like, you know, how come we're feeling so great about things, right? You know, what it's is so nice. So that, that's something as well, like, you know, so dig data and everything, like the positive, don't ignore it and let, let it go down before you do something, actually take action. It's like, well, well, we're doing this, that, and the other, like, you know, so I think that's really good. Like, you know, action. May I ask, what was, uh, why are you so happy? Is there something you can share now here? <laughs> I would be so interested. Actually, uh, we, 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 we played, played this little game before. I don't know if it's going to go on the truth is a lie. I always wanted to become a stand-up comedian because I think comedy is like something that is universal. It's like, if it's funny in a, in a, like in a funny way and not like picking on somebody funny or like heckling somebody funny, I think laughter is like super universal. 
And like, I, I, I can't really touch upon all the ingredients maybe, but I think this is one of the most important ones. If you're able to have a good time and laugh and have fun with your team, uh, I think that builds the culture like, you know, inevitably, whether you want it or not. And it becomes a, a great fun culture. I had actually my, my daughter had a friend sleep over here uh, the other day and she asked my daughter, have you got a day with, without you laughing? And she's like, no, never. So, I mean, we kind of like have a lot of joke about this. So I think laughter is super important. It's very underrated and we should do more studies about having fun and laughing as well. That's a good point. Thanks for sharing. I love that. Well, I'm going to take it from that happy note and bring it back down again <laughs> to Barris's question. Um, Barris, you asked, what are some early signs of a company culture trending down? Um, and what are you, what is your course of action when something like that happens? So tell us a bit more about your question. And I'm sorry about this. I mean, I love staying around laughter, of course, but also I always see the wolf in the, in the forest. So I need to, I need to talk about the, the other aspects of, of, you know, company culture, cause you could, you know, in the early stage in a scale up company, for example, have a, you know, real strong sense of. This is also unity and then you scale up and become bigger and, you know, inevitably things change. But, but so I think it's really interesting to, to talk about when you start seeing those early signs and it doesn't need to be, you know, productivity going down, but you see that start becoming groupings of us and them kind of situations within the company or, you know, never had we rumors on the, in the landscape before, but now we start seeing those kind of things that we don't really appreciate. What can those signs be? So we could be, you know, early, early, uh, early action takers. And what do we do? Cause I think, you know, as any good crisis, there's a possibility to, you know, to, to act and show you show what's good, how good looks like. And, you know, we're coming, come out even stronger, like on that, at the end of it. But if you ignore it for too long, like the, the necessary steps to take to, you know, instill a good culture might be very dramatic and you know of course we want to reduce that kind of actions but it's very likely yeah i can go first um great question barris so again like we have already touched upon um measuring the value of great company culture can be challenging um since it involves different intangible factors but i think the important part here is that you try to set clear and measurable definitions of what, what you're trying to measure, right? And some things are easier than others to measure. Um, so some factors that you can consider when measuring the value of your culture could, for instance, be uh, employee engagement levels and their retention, like we've talked about. So again, looking at what does our turnover rate look like and do we see any changes from the past years? Um, can we, for instance, see any changes in the employee net promoter score? If we have one, do we ask our employees what they think about working here? And, uh, one thing, for instance, that we do at Cognity is that in our exit talks, when someone is leaving, we ask them about, um, how they perceive the company culture and if the culture has anything to do with their reason for leaving. So I think also there we can get a better understanding of if the culture has impacted um, someone leaving the company. 
another metrics that we can take a look at is, for instance, the customer satisfaction levels. So if we're sending out NPS surveys, um, net promoter score service to our customers, I think that's a pretty measurable way um, to, to understand their feedback. Um, and I mean, if you can even interview them, conducting qualitative interviews, I would say that's perhaps even better because then you can really understand their point of views and ask follow-up questions and ask why do you feel this? What 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 make you say that, for instance? Um, and I would say perhaps something that's not as tangible to measure is your reputation and your branding as a company. So, for instance, a positive company culture can enhance the company's reputation and brand image. So if you have a positive culture, it's likely that you're going to be able to get positive attention um, and you're going to be an attractive place to work. And you will be able to see that in, in numbers like how many qualified applications do we get or how many visits do we have on our career page or how many engage with our brand. Um, so those are some examples of things you can measure. And I think it's worth mentioning that even though it's hard sometimes to measure these things. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't measure them. And it doesn't mean that they're not important because they are, but we might need to put some extra work there. Thank you. Yeah. Very interesting uh, perspective. I, you know, so one of the things you, you know, why I asked for early, early signs, because you, you don't want to come to that stage where, you know, retention trends are showing, you know, uh, a negative trend because then you can just that could possibly be too late in terms of, you know, in it's not early, early response in that sense. So, yeah, but those are very interesting metrics. And you, once you track, even though everything is fine and dandy, everyone seems happy, we should continue to look at those and challenge those numbers at all times. I think your, your question is more, um, you, you, you I think you're more interested in, in the answers of, of Nina that she uh, answered, uh, gave you right now on, on a corporate level. But my opinion, I'm, I'm very focused on a team level, if, if I can share my thoughts on that level. So of course. What, one indication, one indication that I see is, and also if I take over a new team, um, how I see, how I measure the culture that's very, now it's not scientific at all, <laughs> is, is um, I, I challenge their conflict, how they deal with conflict. And I think this is a huge indicator how strong the social capital is so that means the trust among them the resilience everything packed together um the social cap how, how strong it is and if they don't speak up i really I, I ask very challenging questions like what is our biggest problem right now in the team when it come in anew and if they say like if, if they answer like yeah outside of the team yeah, with that team, or, you know, like the, on, on a corporate level, we don't have a clear strategy. I don't see the vision. I don't, you know, stuff like that. I know, oops, <laughs> the culture is not that strong. But if they answer with like, yeah, um, we, we do refinements too often or, you know, anything within the team, within their colleagues, if they're open to talk about these conflicts, I know like, okay, here I can work with, like we have a certain maturity of, uh, of a good culture, like I would see it. We have problems, but um, we can we can tackle them 
because they're on the table. I, I can just chime in there like, and I agree with both the previous speakers here. They're all very, very validly put. Again, I think like, you know, going back to this, like, uh, continuous service that you send out, like, you know, what do you think about this, that, and like, and you, you, you kind of like group them together in, in different categories. So you can see like, okay, this is like a, a question that we can brand as like culture. This is a question that we can brand as tooling or working hours or like, you know, uh, help from colleagues or whatever it could be. Right. And then like, you know, just have them so often so you can see the trends, like, and it's this trending upward downwards. So it's just like, you know, move, moving along, like, you know, and within that, see like, you know, okay, what are the questions that, that we have asked to, to get to this metric? Right. And then see like, okay, so it's trending downwards because of, okay, maybe we change from Mac to PCs and now everybody's angry about that. That's not a culture problem, maybe like, you know, so, so then you can understand why certain metrics are going up or down. Right. So I think like, you know, you need to, to be able to catch that and to catch the downward spiral before it's too late. I think you need to have a constant metrics of data and, and data sets that you can look at and say, how are we following up on this? What are the questions we are asking on them and see why they're going up and down and then attach like, an, again, like Carol said, like you know, actions to them. So what do we do when people are angry because they cannot keep their Mac PC and got a or, or got a PC, right? So what is the course of action? It's not just, okay, we changed it. Now it's going down. Hope it's going to go up. Right. So have a course of action on them. So you can like save them and kind of like have a discussion with them before it's too late. Maybe. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. That's such a good point, Alex. I think definitely with these sorts of uh, pulse checking tools or surveys, you can quickly get a better understanding if there are any trends, right? Whereas understanding like how we're doing in terms of our branding or reputation that's requires different type of work for sure um but yeah that's that's a really good point that that's also something you can considerate when you're understanding the company trends and maybe it's also how much measurements you have and how much trend lines you have the higher the priority is of the culture how you said Nina. just just a thought right now yeah Definitely. Lovely. Well, we'll move on to the last question then. And it is your question, Nina. And you asked, what do you do to understand the culture at your companies? So tell us more about your question. Yeah, of course. So when you talk about company culture, the focus is typically on how to create a great company culture and not as much focus is spent on how to understand your culture. At least this is my experience when I talk about company culture and regardless of if you're actively working on your culture or not, it's there. Um, so when you talk about your company cultures, what do you do to understand it? If I may, I love that question so much of you. And I, I was thinking, how do I do it? Like it's, it's actually, we talk about culture and it's so important to me, but when do I actually evaluate myself? So, and then I, I catch myself. Um, when it comes to what I always challenge in, in new companies is to trust because that's so important to me. I think trust is the basis of so much in culture. And I, I always check how are the financial processes, like how much on each level can I actually spend myself? And it's very often very contradictable. So you have like, yeah, we preach the culture core values, trust. We want to trust with each other. We want a high psychologically safety. 
but you have zero budget where you as a PO, as a team manager, where you can you can actually choose on what you want to do. Culture. Just I mean, if it's a lunch, if I need approval for lunch, how much do you really trust me? How safe am I? Yeah, I mean, th th that's a uh, very good like uh, the, that sometimes that they don't correlate and I, I can see that like, you know, and and like touching upon that, what you said, you know, like in a hockey, you know, that you're not just building a great culture, but how do you measure it? Because I love this analogy in English, you have two words, in Swedish, you want to have one, but how efficient something is and how effective something is. You can be super efficient at building a high performance culture, but it could be completely wrong for the company, not so effective, right? So, I mean, differentiating between the effectiveness and the efficientness of that culture, right? Uh, for us, in my team, for instance, this is a concrete example. We have a team charter um, that we have with, for all teams. Uh, and then we put down, like, you know, uh, what the team is about. Like, you know, we, we collaborate with positive intent. Like, what is our ceremonies? Do we have stand-ups? What time is it retros? Like, you know, are we based three times at the day of the office? Like, you know. So we have this kind of like are connected with kind of like the, the the values that we have the core values for the company and broken down to us. And we go through this uh, like in a team charter which are connected values like in our know, once a quarter say, hey, is this still applying? Like, you know, it could be a small thing like, you know, hey, I don't live in Tabe anymore. I live in Lidigar right now. So I will commute two days a week, right? And still, but you go through it and you talk about it and then you see that is this still what we are as a team? not connected so much to kind of like the work, but like, you know, is this us as the team? So that could be something that, you know, you, you set up what you want to have in this document or if you want values and then, you know, have this as a ceremony as well. Yeah, very interesting. Because, I mean, there's sometimes you feel like we've done something, we have set something like a framework or anything, and then we, we stick to it. But we like the need to constantly challenge that and say, is this still a reality? Because, you know, things change around us and not like our products collectively change quickly. Why shouldn't, you know, the organizations as well change in the same pace? Yeah. I mean, that's super interesting to hear your, your, your thoughts around this topic. And I mean, as we can see, there are different ways that you can work on your, on understanding your culture. And there it's one thing about setting a vision or an aspiration level of, okay, this is the culture we want to have at our company versus this is what the culture actually looks like today, right? So there can be a discrepancy there. Maybe it's not, and that would be great, but sometimes that is the case. And I think that's where it's valuable to actually do a check-in to really understand where you're at as a company. Um, I can share a concrete example of how we work at Cognity with understanding our culture. So um, we actually conducted qualitative interviews. So um, earlier this year, uh, we conducted interviews with 25% of our employees in the company. And it all started out as an employee branding initiative where we in the people and TA team were discussing our company culture, how we perceive it and how we would define it. And quite quickly, we realized that our perception of the culture isn't necessarily the absolute truth that everyone else will, you know, agree on. So we wanted to hear what our colleagues thought about this. So 
as mentioned, we conducted these interviews where we sat down with 25% of the employees. We talked with people from different departments, different locations, and with different tenures. And the really interesting thing here, I think, is that as a result, we saw that their perception and their experience of our company culture was almost identical to ours. So there were some keywords that were recurring that was uh, describing our company culture. So for instance, we got uh, open, warm, collaborative, caring, and vision-driven. And these were some of the key points that we had pointed out earlier on. So with this said, we could see that we actually do have a consistent culture, uh, meaning that we have a high level of agreement of what our culture is about, regardless of which team you're in, or regardless of if you're based in the US or in Sweden. Um, so I think that was uh, really valuable, actually. And um, I mean, you can also do more with it, right? You could interview everyone in your company. Um, but I think it's a good start to, yeah, again, talking to the people to really understand their point of views. Um, and another thing that we also do is that we actively work with our core values. So, I mean, every company has their own set of values. And I would say that our values, they build the foundation of how we work. Um, to give you concrete examples, in our performance development talks, we connect our performance with our behaviors um, to our company values. So we want to see do we embody our values in everything or almost everything that we do? Um, it, it's not always easy, but um, it's a way of doing that. And um, also, for instance, in our recruitment processes, we talk about our values really early on. And we even have a dedicated uh, values interview. So by working actively with our values and having them as a as our North Star for our ways of working. And when we're hiring, we will have a better idea of what our company culture is about. And I would say that externally for candidates, they will also know early on what the culture is about, or at least they will get some insights into, okay, this is what I can expect if I would join Cognity, for instance. But yeah, again, really interesting. And thank you so much for sharing your points. Lovely. I think we'll leave the podcast there. It's been a really great discussion. Um, again, on the Evolution Exchange podcast, I just want to take this opportunity to thank Carol, Nina, Barris and Alex for providing your insights and thank you to the listeners as well. If you want to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at abby.stokes at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.